You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwartz. Guys, how was our weekend? Another wild Sunday in the NFL, only week two, and we've seen some crazy stuff go down. I mean, I'll say this. If, if you're in any kind of survivor pool and are still alive, I guess kudos <laughs> to you because <laughs> the upsets keep coming, and I guess it was kind of a stress-free weekend for Chiefs fans because they had a very di- difficult, short-week divisional game against the Chargers and got the win and scraped by, and then we watched Mayhem, the witching hours. <laughs> Of the noon set of games for the NFL, again, were bonkers. Then it was still like the Cardinals game went super late and the Raiders blew it in hilarious fashion. They were 10 yards out of a field goal attempt and couldn't do it. So honestly, feeling pretty good. I feel like I feel way different about the AFC than I did two weeks ago, I guess. But as a Chiefs fan, I, I feel like both all three of us should be feeling really good because... They're right back in the driver's seat where they're pretty comfortable being in front of the AFC. I I kind of felt down on the Chiefs after that Thursday night game just because of the way that they sort of dredged their way through the first three quarters. But then watching everybody else. <laughs> Anybody like, else. It, it looked like in week one, and I thought, okay, nerves, rust, shake it off, whatever. Week two is when things are going to start kind of clicking for a lot of teams. And there are some teams who were like that. I thought the Packers looked pretty good tonight. Yeah. But it makes me feel better about the Chiefs knowing, well, they played the Chargers, played poorly for long stretches of that game, and still got a win against one of the top five teams in the NFL. And seeing teams continue to look a little bit off in week two makes me feel that much better. Now going into a week three game against the Colts, who we thought were going to be one of the teams to watch and they are still winless on the season. So I, I do feel good. I, I feel better about the chiefs and I don't know what's going on with some of these teams in the AFC. Well, I went from thinking, all right, we're, it's a loaded AFC. There are five or six teams who could be a problem for the chiefs or any other team at the top of the AFC, right? The Colts, it's like, Oh my God, they were like a, they were a good team. Like they weren't good enough to be in the postseason. They should have been, but they, they dropped Carson Wentz. And and improved at the veteran quarterback position and still have all this. Okay, they'll be fine. No, terrible. The Cincinnati felt a year early to go to the Super Bowl. So you're like, well, they're they're really a problem. They're 0-2. Like, I felt like coming into it, I thought the AFC was this powerhouse full of teams that could all do it. And now I'm right back to, it's the Chiefs and the Bills, and I don't care about the rest of you. Maybe I have to start paying attention to Miami now. 
that's the only one over the weekend, Nick, where at least you can say that. And they were down 21 to Baltimore. They were just impressive in the way to be like, well, it turns out having two wide receivers who are incredibly fast and very skilled is a good thing in the NFL because they had two guys. Who would have known? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> 380 yards and three touchdowns between two receivers and two had the game of his life, even though he turned it over. But it took all of that for them to beat another top five, probably AFC team. So maybe them. But right now, it's just those two teams. The, I, the most perplexing one is Cincinnati. Maybe I should have seen it coming. I know there's always teams to take a step back. Teams who lost the Super Bowl for the longest time were step back, but not when they were in the 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 come up. They've got they've got young stars, a young quarterback who could be a star. I mean, it didn't. They they tried to fix their offensive line, and it's still trash. <laughs> they spent their entire offseason. I guess this is why we probably had hesitation about the Chiefs going into the year last year. This was like, um, I'd like to see if they actually fix their offensive line. They did. It was okay. But at the time, like, I guess I kind of thought, well, the Chiefs did it. So since he probably fixed their line, they didn't. They are the worst. Of all the teams we can talk about, and there's plenty. We, we can get to Denver and stuff too. But of all the teams the three of us can talk about, Cincinnati's the most confusing, right? Coming into the year versus what they are now. Because of what the Chiefs did last year, starting off the season so poorly, are we too quick to judge these teams? Or should we give it a few weeks? Or is this just like really bad news out of the gate? I, well, I just don't I know mean, if I should. I don't know if I can believe this yet until just knowing what the Chiefs did last year and turning things around. Obviously, it's the Chiefs, so I'm never going to count them out. But some of the other teams very well might struggle throughout the season. But I just don't know if I want to place judgment just yet. I'm a little hesitant. There's one stark difference, though. The Chiefs have had ten or more wins for like seven, eight consecutive seasons, and since Mahomes showed up, they've had no short of twelve and have been in every single AFC title game. So correct, yes. Like there is a bit of a difference between <laughs> trusting those teams and trusting the Chiefs at that time because the Chiefs had earned that trust. Cody, you said it's the Chiefs, Bills, and everyone else. Miami yeah. scares you. Are you still concerned about the Chargers? Oh, I mean, they're still they're still a dangerous team. It just feels like to me, like when we're we're tearing off separation. Yeah, it's Chiefs Bills, and then I'll entertain everyone because the Chargers' problem is they're still having some of the same problems. Mm-hmm. Like they were really good in that Chiefs game, but still let it get away from them. And and I don't think they're a bad team. They're they're a really good team. It's not that. It's that for all the problems they had for the first couple of weeks, those problems still exist. And the Chiefs have been able to overcome those things. And I know how good the Bills are. So, like, to me, it still feels like there's a little bit of a separation between those. Because, obviously, Miami and the Chargers and these teams, like, they they deserve their place in the conversation. But I guess I thought everyone was just going to be, like, on equal footing. And through two weeks, I don't feel that way. Going back to the Bengals quickly, what changed from last year to this year? I'm not locked in on Bengals football. Um, I know Burrow's not having a stellar start. The kicking game is rough. But what was the big? What's been the biggest difference that you've seen from the Bengals so far? They Nick. I mean, this is pretty. They can't score. <laughs> but they what changed? Nothing. That's so what's that's, weird. Yeah. They tried to fix their offensive line, but their offensive line was really bad all year last year, Nick, and they still scored. So like. That doesn't make sense. Honestly, well, it wasn't, it didn't feel sustainable last year when Joe Burrow yeah. gets sacked nine yeah. times in a divisional playoff game versus the Titans and you win. That's not how it's supposed to work. Teams who get to the quarterback are supposed to win football games. And so some of that you had to know was going to, we were going to see regression eventually. And I'm not pinning this all on Joe Burrow, but 
part of what makes him him is like he's willing to hold on to the ball a second longer to try and make a play, and he doesn't care if he gets knocked around. But if you're the coach, if you're the play caller, you do care because you want to see this guy play 17 games and you want to see him upright. So at, at some point, whoever's making decisions and since he kind of has to protect Joe Burrow from himself, otherwise, like he ain't going to play a whole season if he keeps hitting hit as many times as he has been, especially in critical situations. It It's not even good teams. I feel like I'd feel different if it were like good teams they were losing to. It's not, it's not, it's not like they had bills chiefs two weeks. It's like, boy, they're own two. Can they overcome it? No, no. I mean, they, they lost to Cooper rush. It's not yeah. even, it's not even like they lost a Dak based on how the Cowboys looked in week one. Mike McCarthy sat at a podium this week and said, you know, it'd be nice if our offensive coordinator would do a better job calling plays. So it's not like things are going great in Dallas. They caught a team in like disarray, mad at each other, and are starting Cooper Rush, and they lost to that team. There's almost no circumstances in which that is acceptable. Okay, so you think it's Chiefs, Bills, then maybe the yeah, Dolphins let's take a step on a second tier? Yeah, and, and the Chargers. The Chargers deserve there. Okay, okay, Kayla, how many teams in the AFC? do you see as like a legitimate Super Bowl threat? A team that wouldn't surprise you if they play in the Super Bowl this year? As it stands in week two? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, you can take it. Well, it can make, it can be a big list for you in week two a lot of times. And it's not though. It's literally maybe those four. I just, I mean, let's go, like, I don't know if you want to go through all these. Raiders blowing a six- 16 point lead. They don't scare me anymore. The Raiders don't scare the me. Raiders are dead. The They're Broncos dead. definitely don't scare me Done. anymore. Um, Ravens. I mean, they just, we saw what they did today with Miami. Like, well, I felt pretty great. good about them for a minute. I mean, Lamar Jackson did have like 320 passing yards and 119 rushing yards and no turnovers and lost in regulation. Like uh, again, though, that what? everything you just said though, everything you just said makes me think that the Raiders or the Ravens are still, in the mix, at least. You know what's funny though? They're not. Nick, they're not with the Bills and Chiefs, but like no. I still believe in them because of the fact that Lamar Jackson was unstoppable for three quarters. You're right. But what's what's amazing about this is that's the second time I've watched him do that and lose. The year that they went 14 and two, he did that. He had 300 yards passing, he had 100 yards rushing. He was the most incredible individual person on the field in that game, and they lost it. Like, stop losing games when you. I mean, this is a the. I don't know if you guys follow baseball, Twitter, or anything, but this is the tweet about Mike Trout. It's, here's what happened for Angels baseball today. Mike Trout did something that hasn't happened since old Sox Johansson in 1850. <laughs> Shohei Otani pitched nine shutout innings. Angels lose 7-3. He's <laughs> like, why? Why? Why are you yeah. losing a game in which your quarterback is single-handedly responsible for 450 yards and no turnovers? Like, you can't lose that game. I agree. You? I agree. But with that being there. said, we know the correlation between good quarterback play and winning football games. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is looking like that MVP quarterback. And if that's the case, then I don't think they're losing many games this year, especially now that I look at their division and I say, okay, like, is Cincy still going to be in the mix this year? Because if they're not, the Ravens' chances of just racking up wins all season just went up dramatically. 
Yeah, Cleveland's going to be – I don't know when Baltimore has Cleveland, but they're going to be lost all season. So, I mean, that yeah. part helps too. It's funny because, like, we can look at these divisions a little bit after two 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 you know two weeks and make some rash decisions. But, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Bills might have as much of their hands full as the Chiefs do based on the way these first couple of weeks have gone because Denver, as much as we talked about Cincinnati having no offense, Denver also looks lost offensively, and their coach is – it's – like I, I don't know what the best way to describe his current, but it's, it, it's like he's never seen football, and that <laughs> there are like moments in which you're like, this is football. You know how this works. They, they had another turn on fourth and one today, or third and one. Sorry, they ran a speed option with their tight end. This is going to shock you to find out it didn't, it didn't work. Then it was fourth and one, and they had Russell Wilson ready to go out there and go for it. No, he decided not to do that again for the second straight week. Then they went sit in the field goal unit only to get a delay of game penalty and then punt. That is a remarkable section of bad decision-making all built into one failure. I know they beat Houston today, but I just like, there's moments in that game that are just like, I can't, I can't with this team. I don't know. Their, their coach is going to hold them back is how I already feel about them. I think I could coach for the Broncos and it would go better than this. You would you would have screwed up the, the last minute stuff last <laughs> week better. And there's no way you would either have just kicked the field goal or let Russ go for it. Just make the decision. No one, no one cares. Just do one. <laughs> Not both, and then get a delay a game and then punt. Do I mean I know the Titans are off to a rocky start, but do they scare us? They they've certainly scared me in seasons past, but I don't I mean they played tonight. And so I guess they, the bills. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they're going on to, I mean, we can pretty well just pencil that one in. Um, I don't know with, with them. It's like without AJ Brown, I see how good he is for Philly. And I think they're going to miss that. They looked disheveled and they're like, Nick, we've, we, I think maybe we've talked about this even just whenever, like in passing, most teams have a shelf life, especially teams without an elite quarterback. Honest to God, the Titans has already lasted longer than I thought. They already made it further than I was anticipating, so I keep yeah. thinking they're going down. I mean, there's a fine line between the Titans continuing to be the Titans and being the Raiders, you know? Yeah. Like, they're, they're the other team where I think about where I say, okay, well, you're, you've never really had a title window, per se, but you've had a window of just kind of sticking around longer than I yeah. thought Derek Carr would ever have in the NFL. <laughs> and I feel like the Titans are on the precipice of becoming that team where don't expect them to win 11, 12 games each year. Maybe expect them to win eight or nine and sort of compete for a playoff spot. I don't know if anybody else in that division is legit. Uh, the Colts don't look good. I mean, as you just mentioned with the Broncos, as bad as they play, the reason why they won is because Davis Mills was quarterbacking the other team. So I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that division, but the Titans, it's, to me, they're not they're not in, on the same level as even, I mean, certainly not as Chiefs Bills, and I don't even think they're in that second tier with the Dolphins and the Ravens and whoever else you have in there. There's not, this is like, this is what it all comes back to. Like, when we're talking about the teams that go in there, there is not a single team in the NFL who has put together back-to-back -back weeks where I'm like, wow, you're great at football and nothing can go wrong for you. Because, like, Miami was down and out, and they didn't look great against the Patriots last week in their first win. But the difference for the Chiefs game, at least, is that and, – and for the Dolphins, too, because you could probably explain away theirs as a divisional game against uh, Bill Belichick. 
But like for the Chiefs, I can explain away their one game in which they didn't look their best was, again, a Thursday night divisional game against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay, reasonable reasons to not look good. Everyone else in the NFL has either had a dud and taken a loss, or for the undefeated teams, most of them you don't really believe in. Like, the Giants are undefeated. I don't think any of us think the Giants have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Saquon (laughs) Barkley's been great. They're maybe the most fun story in the NFL right now, but we're not buying it. Those are the only two undefeated teams in the in the AFC. The NFC, the undefeated ones are maybe the Eagles, depending if they win tonight. The Giants, the Vikings, who also play tonight. So someone will be. And the Bucks, who that's the saddest looking 2-0 any <laughs> of it. it. It looks worse than the Giants 2-0. So like it, you just feel so much better about the Chiefs after two weeks. Because for all the problems and faults that these teams have had, the Chiefs' only bad game, they beat one of the best teams in the AFC on a short week, even not even playing their best football. It's like, it just washes away. I feel better about the Chiefs after two weeks than I did before the season started. And before the season started is the easiest time to be optimistic about any team. All right, we're going to move on. But before we do, really quick, I just want to, what was the worst loss in your opinion today out of the AFC? Oh, the Cincy. Cincy. Nick? In terms of, like, I can't believe you lost that game. Yeah, just like how Baltimore. bad of a loss that was. Baltimore. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had you they up lead. 35 I mean, there's so many to, to choose 14 from. in the fourth quarter. I think the Dolphins are a better team than Dallas is, obviously, but you had them dead to rights. How the hell did you lose that game? So did the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders also were up a couple of touchdowns and then led a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Beat them. Yeah. Wild. Okay. Well, fun day, fun day in the AFC. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Didn't matter to me at all. <laughs> we didn't care. All right. Well, as we know, last year, a concern for us, especially in the beginning of the season was the defense, but Chris Jones has turned it on two sacks, putting pressure on the QB. Our defense is not on my radar for right now. Cody, you have a new concern. Share with the class what that is. Well, so I guess the way the defensive line was everyone's main concern, or at least it should have been going into the season. Yes, they had been yes. a bad pass rush team for years. Through the first two weeks, I'm going to take them off my list of to watch for now. Because Karloftis looks like an NFL caliber defensive end. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones is still great. And they're getting enough pass rush from other areas that they're at the top of the league right now in pressures through two weeks. Okay, you're good. I'm going to leech you off the hook for a little bit. And I'm going to focus on the problem that is the most glaring one through two weeks, which is the Chiefs offensive line. Might have crowned them a little too early because (laughs) they're giving up pressures at far too high of a rate. And as much as I just thought, you know what? The tackles were good last year. Same two guys. You know, Orlando Brown Jr. got better as the year went on. He is currently ranked as the 61st most efficient tackle in the NFL. Just as a reminder, two tackles start per team. There are 32 NFL teams. That's not good. That's at the bottom. If every team has two, you shouldn't be at the bottom of the two. So it's like he's been bad. Wiley's been passable, but then there's been no communication at the front. They're now my current priority problem. Like I want to make sure that this isn't going to cause them to lose a game because in the NFL, if everything else goes right, if you simply just screw up protection, you can lose a game to anybody. If they can just pressure you and get you off your game, you can lose to any team in the NFL. That includes a Colts team that looks like garbage and doesn't even have a pass rush for the first couple of weeks of the NFL season. So 
I'm going to move away from the defensive line for now and let them just kind of do their thing and hope that they've solved some of their problems. But the offensive line is now the key focus of, I hope this isn't a big problem because it's been their biggest weakness for the first two weeks. But isn't that just a product of your expectations for the offense, which I'm not saying are unreasonable, but we still have yet to see this team produce sacks on a consistent level outside of 95. And that is something that you can't expect Chris Jones to carry this pass rush all year. You expect him to be your best player, but until other guys actually start taking down the quarterback, I'm going to wonder how sustainable it is that this, because Chiefs defense did not look good for stretches on Thursday night. And I get it. It's Los Angeles, but they were also without Keenan Allen. Yeah. I I just wonder when we're going to start seeing production outside of just Chris Jones. I guess the guy is Karloftis because that's who you want to see do it. But you know, I mean, I know they only have five sacks through uh, the two games. That's good for fifth in the NFL. It'll likely be lower than that because Philly's only a sack behind and uh, Buffalo is tied with them. But I mean, Nick, if they're top 10 in sacks this year, that is so much better. Some of it, you're probably right. Some of it is I had no expectations for the defensive line and they look competent. And I'm like, Good for you. Nice job, D- defensive line. I'm going to move. And offensive line, I might have said the exact sentence of, I think they could have the best offensive line in the NFL this season. So knowing that I said that, I obviously had high expectations for them. But it's been worse than that. It's not like they're just struggling. They gave up the league high pressures to the Cardinals in a game in which they throttled the opponent. And some of that could have been because they blitzed a bunch. That's what I thought. Well, the next team didn't blitz them that much. And they got pressure. Now they've got Joey Bosa. So there are reasonable explanations for both of them. But the Colts have had almost no pass rush to speak of in these first couple of weeks. So if all of a sudden that team is also getting to them, don't they sky doesn't like for you, like if they're bad against the Colts on the offensive line, then it kind of skyrocket for you. Yeah, probably. Um, This game is not nearly as exciting as it was two weeks ago before the season <laughs> no. began. So I, maybe that's a good thing because I thought that you obviously saw a step up in competition going from Arizona to Los Angeles. And that looked like a team much more prepared to play NFL football yeah. than the Cardinals did on the season opener. But the Colts, they have a, a decent defense, but you're right. I don't worry about the pass rush all that much. Well, I guess enough, it depends and, on if, Sha- if Shaquille Leonard plays. I guess he didn't play in this game either. So depending yeah, on if he's but, available. The beauty of it is that you still have Patrick Mahomes, so he can overcome that more yeah. than maybe any quarterback in the NFL. So I'm I want to see more of the run game. We've seen Clyde in spurts look as explosive as he's ever been. I want to see this team not necessarily pound the ball, but I want to see them run with efficiency. That to me would give me more confidence moving forward than simply seeing Patrick Mahomes go untouched because even when the offensive line hasn't been great in his career, he's so good at avoiding getting sacked. He's not the fastest guy, but he's just got great awareness and he knows when to take off. So I'm not all that concerned about the pass blocking. I'm more concerned about, okay, you got a bunch of big maulers on the offensive line. Let's see it. Let's see you guys dominate teams up front, get the, get some push and open up lanes for those. Okay. Backs. But yeah, that's so here's part of probably where that concern is, is that they still stink in short yardage. Why can't you just get one damn yard when you need it? Like, I know there's not a lot to complain about with the Chiefs, but that's like, you know what it is? It's like years of buildup. Like, <laughs> they, they still can't get one yard when they need to. 
for years and years, it's like, can you just hand it to one guy and they run? Because, like, I watched the Chargers in that game. It was third and one and fourth and one a lot. And they just handed it to Joshua Kelly and he got two yards. Three yards. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was just, like, stepped at the line and every time he was just barely inching by. They pushed forward and he did that. And I guess, Kayla, you know, like, from that perspective, I don't understand, like, when we were talking about, like, hey, why is that a concern? I'm like, I don't understand why, with the offensive line you have, you're not better at that. Everything you put into it, the fact that they're all from run schemes, all this. I don't know why you're not better at getting a yard. And I guess that that's where I'm a little bit worried that maybe I I took my expectations too high for that unit. And Mahomes is going to have to make up more for that, which is not a position I want to put him in every year. I'm hoping we get some more questions answered against the Colts. <laughs> I mean, they Surely look that should bad. be a layup, right? Like. I mean, I know we're going to talk about this probably later in the week, but I mean, right. the way these two teams are playing, you're like, so, I mean, that's a win. I, you know, like on to week four, I guess I'll start figuring out when their first loss might come because it's not the Colts. The NFL's weird. I'm not saying that they can't, you know, like it's impossible, but I'm starting to feel as good about going into the Colts game as I did going into the Cardinals game. We were all like, they're not losing to this team. They're not losing to the Colts. That team is in disarray. Um, and I just, you know, you start to feel that way because they looked, they have looked so bad. Well, we talked about all the weird wins and losses today. Um, so I'll bring up the elephant in the room. Are we missing Tyreek yet? He was, uh, had 11 receptions today for Miami, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Um, help them with their comeback win. Let's discuss. <laughs> I mean, miss kinda. I mean, the offense is good, so not that, but they don't have anyone on the roster that can go for 11 and 190 and two scores. So why just kind of? Because I'm fully on the we miss you, Tyreek. Oh, that's all I'm I needed full, to I'm see fully today. not. That's all I needed to see today was like, that's like, Oh, yeah, I remember him. <laughs> oh, the guy who you just chuck it up to and he scores on a play when nobody else in the NFL is getting in the end zone there. Yeah, I kind of miss that guy. I was hoping that maybe Tyreek would come out and be like, oh, he looks a step slow today. Maybe he's getting fat and happy. Maybe like he's turned the page. That's why the Chiefs move on from him. Mm. Still looks like the best game breaker in the NFL. I don't think I don't think I miss him in terms of the Chiefs offense is screwed without him. I think his talent is probably worth at least a win. One win somewhere on the season where he can bust open a game for you. But I more so just miss him in the like I'm nostalgic. That was a fun toy to have in the Chiefs offense. And I miss seeing him do things like that now that he's doing it in Miami. Well, he was trying to make it easy to not miss him because like he was saying all this dumb stuff on his podcast. Um, we've all been there, but you know, he's saying things that sound ridiculous and we know already because like he's the most accurate passer I've ever been with. Like, come on, man. Like, None of us are buying that. It just seemed like he was trying to convince himself he was happy. And then for the first half of that game, he had like three catches for 30 yards. And you're like, oh, you're going to hate it there. <laughs> and then and people, were, and people were getting their jokes off. They're like, look at this idiot. And he was tweeting about Mahomes making a great pass to Justin I was just going to bring that up. And it's like, did, oh, he's missing. Him. Oh, yeah. Like, we're all like, oh, he misses him. And he's going to hate it there. And then he goes for 190 yards and two scores with a remarkably below average quarterback. Like that's just what two is a maybe average at his best. He is currently still below average based on any performance metric he's put into the NFL. But Tyreek still, like you said, Nick, the thing you miss is like 
the Chiefs currently on offense have two players that completely take over a game by themselves, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Those are the two guys you're like, boy, they just did it tonight. They completely steamrolled guys. It is them. There is nothing you can do. That was Tyreek today. Waddle too, by the way. But it was just like, that was Tyreek. He just did whatever he wanted. He was open all the time. That poor rookie defensive back had to guard him and he ran past him like he was standing still. Like he was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to do something here. And Tyreek never stopped running. Like I, yeah, from that perspective, I'm, you know, I worry about their ability to like win that. I, was it the Dallas game? I think it was it the Dallas game when he had that, uh, the kick return, you know, the weirdo score right before half against yes. Dallas that eventually, yes. yeah, that they don't have a, no one, no one else on their roster is doing that. That's him. It's him and it's him alone. Do we think this ask- holds up though? With the Tua Hill, he looked dynamic. He looked looked pretty damn good in that fourth quarter. Now, the one of those touchdowns to Tyreek, I think the second one, that was just a busted coverage. He was wide open. Every quarterback in the league would have hit him. But I mean, he kind of uncorked one on that first Tyreek. He was underthrown a little bit, but I mean, it was still a bomb, and he made a catchable pass. And the the game-winning touchdown to Jalen Waddle was the best throw of the day. Like running to his left off his back foot and just puts it on the numbers. Like that was, that was a dime. It probably helps that to the, the missing Tyree thing. It probably helps because like the chiefs offense has scored 35 points a game. You watched him and you're like, oh, we'll be, f- it's fine. Like it, it's, but I mean, it's just because now they have a running game. It's like, Oh, I mean, I, I'll be honest. You still do think you're like, what if it was Tyreek instead of Juju and this running game? Because that feels like 35 points, there'd be more. Like, there'd be more points. Even more points to get besides that. But they made their they made their call. Like, there was a price point, And I think, Nick, you were very firm on this. And clearly the Chiefs were too. Which is, I will pay you up to X dollar. And then he asked for $30 million. They're like, we're not going to pay you that. Like, there's a line. That was the line. Yeah, for every player. There's a line for every player. Mm-hmm. I think that's how... Nah, smart not front offices. He asked for a billion dollars. I don't care. Just give it to him. I mean, they that that's a that's a smart front office like mindset. You don't just bend and say no, 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 no. We really, really, really like this guy, so we're going to pay more than we think he's worth. You you have to operate like that with every player across the board. Otherwise, you're going to mismanage your salary, and it's going to come back and bite you in the ass in three or four years. So. I still think the Chiefs offense would be better with Tyreek. Yes. I understand and respect why they made the decision that they did. Cody, you mentioned there that you think Mahomes and Kelsey are the only two players in the offense that completely take over a game, which I agree with. But coming into the season, if there would have been a third player to join that category, we thought it would be Juju. Sitting here today through two weeks, do you guys think it is more likely that Juju becomes that type of player for the Chiefs offense or that Clyde Edwards Elaire does? Because as of right now, I think you could make a really strong case. I don't even know how you would argue opposite of it, that Edwards Elaire has been the second best weapon in the Chiefs offense behind Travis Kelsey. He has been. And if you're saying, is he more likely? The answer is yes. I mean, one is simple economics. He touches the ball more. Better chance right? Better chance to do it. Even if Juju's getting targeted like crazy in a game, he might get nine or 10 targets. He, you know, Clyde might have six targets in the passing game and every time he touches the football. 
And honestly, he looks dy- he looks like he has a chance to be kind of dynamic again. And we saw it for glimpses. I don't I don't know if this is um I don't know if we're here yet because the question I think you could ask yourself is for 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 any of you because I I'll ask one back, Nick. For any of you, is it just as simple as if Clyde is healthy, this is the player he is? Because if it's that simple, then the answer is clearly Clyde. Mm-hmm. Because when healthy right now, he is a dynamic player. But you have to ask the question, it's like, is this who he is if he's healthy no matter what? Because I've seen him play in games in which he was supposedly healthy and he didn't look like this player. It's just a matter of like a fully healthy offseason and all of those things. Is that who he is? Because if so, I think you do have to answer Clyde without even having the conversation that it's Juju. Yeah, I think uh, he looks different, man. He looks different. And yes, part of that's just, it's early in the season. You haven't been hit in seven months. But it's not just that he looks fresh. It's like he's bouncing off tacklers and he's running really strong. And that's not words that we would have used. That we wouldn't have used it. We wouldn't have used those words last year, or the year before. I, is it because we don't have Tyreek? Because like when I saw him break free and and go for that huge run on Thursday night, he I saw glimpses of Tyreek when he can turn on the Jets and he's got that same build, that body type, and he can really get down the field fast. Is that just because we don't have Tyreek to compare him to now, or is he the real deal? I, you know, and I guess, yeah, because it's hard. Because, like, when you watch Tyreek, you're like, well, that's different. Um, <laughs> but, I, like, but you know, like, when we're talking about, you know, Tyreek and missing him, the thing I was convinced we were going to miss the most about him is it's those moments. It's like, hey, there's uh, four minutes left in the game, and you need to score quickly, or you need a big play to end this game quickly. And Tyreek was the person that did that. I mean, Jet Chip Wasp is, you know, like, I'm like, how are they going to have that? How are they going to have those things without Tyreek? And in that game, he hit Justin Watson for a 40-yard touchdown. And Clyde ran his longest run ever for 50 yards. So it's like, and in the first game against the Cardinals, they had 14 plays of 20 yards or more. So it's like, somehow, they're not currently missing the big play. I still want to see it back against the wall. Like, you're down 10, and there's five minutes to go, and you got to score quick. Because that was when Tyreek, you know, really shined, but I don't know. I, you know, like, I guess I thought they were going to miss it more in the early going and it's only two weeks, but I still want, it doesn't matter. Like all going back to the beginning, it's like, I still watch them today. And I'm like, yeah, that was a really fun player who can do some incredible things. He just took, he helped take over a game for an entire half and at quarterback, you, you just don't see it very often. Let me throw a few stats at you for Clyde just really quick before we move hit, on. Hit us. Okay. He is, Averaging five and a half yards after contact per rushing attempt. Uh, Last year was 1.7. Wow. Okay. He has a Patrick Mahomes has a passer rating of 151 and a half when targeting him. He is. (laughs) Yeah. He is averaging. 11 yards per target. In the receiving game. Like this is what we thought they were going to do when they acquired him. And if Patrick Mahomes is looking around and saying, okay, this guy's new, that guy's new, that guy's new, but I know what this guy's going to do. Like all of a sudden, Clyde may have seen himself catapult up the Patrick Mahomes trust tree. And if that is the case, I would imagine he's going to continue looking his way. And if this is something 
going back to last year, seeing the struggles early on in the season, seeing how the season ended when Mahomes got a little bit impatient. He admitted as much, wanted to start taking shots downfield. If this is sort of a recalibration of Mahomes and how he has to think about the passing game and knowing that Tyreek's there, not down there, so I can't just take those big chances eight or nine times a game. All of a sudden, if Clyde does stay healthy, I, I firmly expect him to be one of the guys that Mahomes is looking at because at this point, I don't know who besides Kelsey you trust more than him in this offense. Well, those those 10 yards or the 11 yards per receiving snap, I mean, that's enough to trust him. Because the whole reason Holmes goes downfield, Nick, or has, or Kayla, right? I mean, is because he wants to get first downs. He's worried they won't get it otherwise. If you know Clyde's good for 11, it certainly makes it more tolerable <laughs> to throw his way. Because at this point, they never really trusted him. I think I think Austin Eckler led running backs in receiving yardage last year. It, it you know It wasn't like the Christian McCaffrey 1,000-yard year. Those are, like, really rare. I think Eckler was the best and he was a little short of 700. That's pretty much what Clyde's on pace for right now. So it's, I mean, I guess we thought maybe he could be the best receiving back in the NFL when they drafted him. But now that he's showing it for a couple of weeks, it's, I am kind of hoping that's the case. Also, because we're going to do the same thing. If everyone's going to run cover two, they're daring you to throw it to Clyde anyway. And if he's getting those kind of receptions, then you have to feel great. So, I mean, obviously we hope it continues against the Colts who do have a good run defense, but. To this point, it's been great. Yeah, agree. All aligned. Clyde's number three as of now. All right. Speaking of fun stats, here's another one. Uh, well, first of all, we didn't even mention happy birthday to Patrick Mahomes, who turned 27 on Saturday. That's fun. Happy birthday, Patrick and Jalen Watson. <laughs> and Jalen Watson. Yes, they have the same birthday. I saw that. Very cool. Should we have, should we have done a happy birthday song for Jalen probably... Watson? I've done one for Patrick Mahomes, and as a result of that, we've done many for other people. Using a similar beat to this point, or Wait, by me, is this I mean like Nick? Is this not just the classic "Happy Birthday"? Is this something? No, else? no, oh, it's a very, it's no. a very specific song for Patrick Mahomes. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's it. I I personally think it might be catchy. It's it's borderline that way. It was one of my more popular songs. Yeah, Kayla, you probably don't know. This. I've made. I had no idea you had a, a repertoire. Of oh songs. yeah, he has it. An deep catalog. Music career. <laughs> <laughs> I have a deep catalog. My subject matters include Patrick, I guess recently Vinny Pasquantino. I don't know. Sometimes it's just about a Chiefs opponents that we're making fun of, like the Browns in the in the playoff year. Bobby Wood Jr. I don't remember who else lately. I uh, and Cody has a deep catalog. Yes, there are some duds in there. Yeah, but every the Ben Roth is in a while. Rough. Every once in a while, he'll push out something good. And <laughs> are we ever gonna are we gonna get a taste of this on the podcast at any point? I, I, my vote is no, but <laughs> I only make up one third of this team. You can go, Kayla, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to send you a link and then we can make a decision. So right now, Nick, okay. this is the moment that if Kayla approves it, you can just put a little snippet in right here, right? Right after we finish the sentence and you can edit in a little snippet so people can hear it and we won't react. What are you doing? Take what are you else, doing right now? And then we'll be there. Obviously, <laughs> I'm trying to infiltrate another medium mm -hmm. and I don't like it. <laughs> I like how Nick could, he, he could also just blindly agree, Kayla, and then just release the episode anyway. And we Oops. obviously could, Oh no, sorry, forgot to put that song in, man. My <laughs> bad. What a disappointment. Well, uh, that'll just be a fun surprise for all of us if it gets thrown in. Um, all right, about our birthday boy. Do we underappreciate Mahomes and his ability to win games that most teams just simply cannot win? Here is a 
the stat I was teasing earlier. Tucker Boyton tweeted, Patrick Mahomes is now 10 and eight in his career when he trails by 10 or more points after the first quarter. Everyone else in the league is 147 and 832 in such situations since 2018. That is insane. I have never underappreciated him, by the way. You guys can go. It's that (laughs) in the pantheon of Mahomes stats, that's the most absurd, right? Mind blown. 150 is the winning percentage for quarterbacks who trail 10 points after the first quarter. And by the way, he had to correct that stat later because he had missed a game. So it's 11 and eight. He's actually oh. even, even better somehow than you would have thought. So not surprised. I, that's not supposed to be viable. And I would like, I would like to give Andy some credit here, but it's not like Andy's teams before Patrick Mahomes were winning those games. No, they lost them like everyone else in the league. This is very simply a Patrick Mahomes stat. He is the person responsible for this. He is unkillable. It's why we almost got to enjoy the nickname, the Grim Reaper, and then they lost the next week and it died. But we, you know, he, I think he probably is underappreciated because who else in the NFL can you count on to do those things consistently? When we watch, like when Mahomes is down 10, do you ever find yourself thinking, well, I guess they're screwed, game over. I don't even know. It's not even a passing thought. If Alex Smith or who, it doesn't matter. I don't have to pick on him, but almost any other quarterback in the NFL, like, well, they're cooked. They're down 10 points. It's over for them. But with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, it, like that stat is insane. I get mostly bad teams get down 10 points, but, uh, you know, 150 winning percentage is ludicrous. Yeah, it's it's just like the daily absurd Mahomes stat of the day. Whatever. We could do like, that. <laughs> you, you can. We could do one every single episode and never – like double down on anything. It's so weird because it sort of feels normal at this point. You've seen it so many times. You see it happen 11 times in in a player's four-year career. It's pretty astonishing. And to the point where at no point on Thursday night, as bad as the Chiefs looked, like you could have told yourself, oh, it's just not their night. And I think I kind of was there at some point, maybe in the third quarter, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but they just don't have it. Maybe it's the the short rest. But at the same time, I never thought like this game is over. I was just like, it looks like it's not their night. But you never count them out like you would when you're watching other teams. I see other teams get down by 10 points in the first half, and I'm like, over. Right? Like, <laughs> like, you already needed to play a great game to beat this team. And the Chiefs just made big plays down the stretch. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I think the defense – I had a lot to do with them winning that game on Thursday, yeah. but still, what about the other 10, right? Most of those were late game heroics by Mahomes. So, uh, and he made two incredible passes. Like Patrick Mahomes does not throw normal touchdowns anymore. And I think that's fantastic, but the sidearm to McKinnon and then dropping it in a bucket downfield to Christian Watson, how many guys are able to do that big play, big game, late game situations where you kind of got to be perfect down the stretch. It's just him. We as Chiefs fans are truly blessed. It's not lost on us. All right, guys. Last but not least here, there are six winless teams in the NFL, four of which are in the AFC. That include the Bengals, Raiders, Texans, and, and Indy with that weird tie. Oh, one and one. reportedly going to be a problem for the Chiefs. But clearly <laughs> not, so. um, and then you've got the Titans, who we'll find out what happens this evening. But they are currently 0-1 as they face the Bills. So probably going 0-2. Um, this is not the AFC that we entered the season thinking it would be. No. And I guess the, cause it's, this is like the uh, 
teams from the bottom up, right? Almost like 0-2 teams, someone sneaks into the postseason still, typically. Like, can we count on one of these teams being better? And am I supposed to assume that it's Cincinnati? Because I guess is what I'm trying to decide is there are there like are we writing? That's the question, right? Are we can't you know, are we canceling them all? Are they all done? <laughs> are we saying, well, I see all of your records and I don't believe in any of you. And I I don't know. I, I'm willing to do that with um, several of them, just not all of them, Nick. I don't. By the way, want to answer your to answer to answer your question, Cody. Um, this is according to Stathead. There have been 400 teams to start a season 0-2 since 1970. Of those 438 of them have made the playoffs, that's 9.5%. So actually, the odds would tell you that those five teams plus the two winless teams in the NFC are probably all missing the playoffs. Yeah, yeah or I mean, it's, like, it's like one every other year, essentially. So either one's doing it this year or zero, right? That's I'm starting, a, the- I'm starting, there's there's a criteria for making the playoffs after starting 0-2. I'm making it up right now. It is not founded in any sort of research or statistical evidence. I'm making it up on the spot. In order to make the playoffs after going 0-2, you have to have an elite quarterback. So how many teams can we thus eliminate? Okay, so eliminate? We, we can immediately eliminate, and we would have already, the Panthers and the Falcons. The two NFC teams, they're gone. They're They're definitely gone. Then we've got yes. the Raiders. That's Derek Carr, so you're out there. He's not elite. Um, <laughs> Cincinnati, we don't have to eliminate them, right, if we're, we're big Joe Burrow believers. And then Texans, Colts, and Titans, bye-bye and bye. So if you are to believe any of Wait a minute, of you're teams- already canceling the Titans. They haven't even played tonight. What if they beat the Bills? They're not even in the conversation. Oh, well, that's not going to happen, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, even if I'm just canceling them after one start, they don't have an elite quarterback. So I guess if they beat the Bills tonight, I shouldn't cancel them. So this is a contingent. If they lose to the Bills, in the hypothetical scenario you're listening to this on Tuesday, I've now canceled them. You listen to this on Tuesday <laughs> or Wednesday, they've already lost to the Bills, I've canceled them. If they, by some miracle, beat the Bills, one, thank you. And second, you can uh, stave off elimination for a little bit of time. But everyone else, no. Like, they're not, I don't know. I mean, I guess technically the Texans and the Colts aren't 0-2, but... They're not good teams the way they're playing right now. So I think you can pretty safely eliminate everyone except for Cincinnati. I guess maybe I'm supposed to say the Raiders because they got a lot of talent, but I I don't know. They blew that game in such historic fashion today. I don't know how you instantly recover from that unless it turns out I pull up their schedule, Nick, and they play a bunch of teams I've never heard of over the next few weeks. That seems unlikely. That they're going to play a team you haven't heard of. Uh, they play Tennessee on the road, Denver at home, and then the Chiefs. So, no, I think it's pretty safe to say they're screwed. Like, those are teams, all three of those teams they can definitively lose to, which means best-case scenario, two and one, which is pretty unlikely. More, more realistically, probably one and two, um, which means they're going to be – so, they're 0 and 2 now, and I'm looking at a 1 and 4 now. They're, they're done. You know, like, how are you going to overcome that? It just seems impossible. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I'm not buying. I don't think the Raiders like are fully going to bottom out. Like, I don't, I don't feel like they're going to be a five win no. team, No, but... but I just don't see how you can get off to that rough of a start Two winnable games to start your season. And you were in both of those games and you lost them. Like those are coin flip games, but those are also the ones you win if you go to the postseason. And one, they tried to come from behind and fell short. And then in the other, they let the other team come from behind and beat them. You're like, you lost both ways. Like you couldn't 
come from behind and complete it, and you also couldn't stave it off. And, and I don't know. I mean, they're, again, they're not a bad team. They played the Chargers and the Cardinals. Those aren't two laughing stock organizations right now. They were both uh, near the playoffs or in the playoffs last year, but they lost to them both. And now the the difficult part of their schedule still kind of continues. I just don't feel like it's going to happen. I think we should have a segment each week about teams we're ready to cancel. That was fun. Okay, so we've officially canceled six teams. <laughs> is that right? Is that what our tally's up to? Everybody yeah, else feels alive. That's a high number for the first segment, but yeah. Am, am I allowed to cancel one and one teams too, or are we just we're limited? Well, if you do that, then I feel like we're going to cancel everybody by week four. We're going to drag this thing out a little bit. Yeah, we'll change the criteria true. as we go too, so that'll be good. fun. That's good. I'm not ready to cancel the Jets yet. Apparently, Joe Flacco's 27 again and living his best life. Okay. Okay. Stay tuned for more on that. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us on this Monday episode of It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. That is Nick Schwartz. I'm Kayla Kinnaram. We've got Cody Tapp. We will be back with you guys Wednesday. Hope you enjoy your Sunday.